Welcome to another exciting episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff. I am Lindsay Shooters. This is your continued exploration of faith during this time of crisis, done on behalf and for the parish of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's, but open to all who have ears and who are willing to listen. I am joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing? Good afternoon, Lindsay. Through the grace of God, we are doing well and keeping safe. And I trust the same for you and your family. Good afternoon, listeners, or good morning, listeners. We trust you are also doing as well and as safe as possible during these times. Yes, I I was out and about having a bit of a kick about at Century City Fives. All protocols observed, but it was good to be out in the sun playing some ball with some old friends. It was in memoriam for a friend of ours who passed um, due to COVID. Um, so, yeah, it was a bittersweet affair. Father, this week, your theme that you've extracted from the, coll- from the collect is cleanse us of our arrogance and recreate in us a dwelling for your holiness. And this speaks to the New Testament reading, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Um, I have a couple of passages in the Bible that I dread it will come up in these conversations because it it take it goes it takes me to a bit of a of a dark place because it, it zeroes in on maybe some of the issues that I have that have driven me to my agnosticism. Um, but we will discuss that after you have called us all together with the collective prayer. Thanks very much, Lindsay. Our call to worship today and this week is how clearly the sky reveals God's glory. And so something of creation draws us to see God's glory. And our worship of God is a continued expression of our love for him who in Christ first loved us. So let us pray. Collect for this week, the third Sunday in Lent, third Sunday of Lent. If you have it on the screen with you, you can pray it with me. God of passion and power, your son drove the money changers out of the temple. Cleanse us of our arrogance and recreate in us a dwelling for your holiness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Like I said, the reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. I'm going to jump in at, yeah, I'll, I'm just going to read the bulk of it. For the message about Christ's death on the cross is nonsense to those who are being lost, but for those who are being saved, it is God's power. The scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and set aside the understanding of the scholars. So then, where does this leave the wise or the scholars or the skillful debaters of this world? God has shown that this world's wisdom is foolishness. For God in his wisdom made it impossible for people to know him by means of their own wisdom. Instead, by means of the so-called foolish message we preach, God decided to save those who believe. So I'm going to stop there. And I'm going to ask you two questions. Well, the first isn't actually a question, it's an observation. Um, We've spoken before about the difference between Jesus coming to save humanity and the the necessity of restricting that to believers um, through the Bible text and through preaching, because you kind of need to set up your audience. So that's fine. But where is, why is it arrogant to seek wisdom? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think God, I suppose it goes, it takes our conversations always seem to take us back to the Garden of Eden, Mm. where the issue of knowledge comes up again. The, the tree in the middle of the garden was, I mean, so, so how were we to deal with knowledge? And 
the serpent says, there's something God didn't want you to know. That's why I told you not to eat of the fruit. And um, I think along, I can't remember, um, and I'm, you must correct me here if I'm wrong in any way, but as we grew into the world and through the various um, um, ages, um, you cannot really live your life without a, a consuming some knowledge through wisdom. I mean, through learning and through assuming knowledge, you you have a bit of wisdom. We have uh, people in our own families, those who are, are our elders, whose wisdom we have gained from and was able to 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 speak to us. But I think um, and then, of course, there's this there's this thing that people say um Knowledge is power. So they've related mm. knowledge to power. Is that perhaps where arrogance creeps in? Because if I now suddenly think I know, therefore I am powerful. Um, I mean, displayed in the conversation you and I had before you started recording, we see the surfacing in people who are assuming positions of power that mm. they would say they mm. know more, therefore they should be in that position. But with now and 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 you know, it has been said, for example, of any an emerging uh, America who is looking to be the next Rome, or or, or the next Greece, Greek, Greek, uh, what's his name, empires. Um, there's an assumption that with the Americans' display of so-called wisdom comes and, and knowledge comes arrogance. Uh, they know how to fix up the world. But we know that the truth be told, they haven't done anything but caused more destruction than harm, than than good. So, does does people run on the fact that because they know, therefore they have more power, and therefore they can exercise this over against uh, what's what whatever it is that they want to assume? But there's also the thing that what I know is but a drop in the ocean. Mm. So does me knowing assume I have more power over others and maybe because I know a little bit of what the world is going around us, then assume that I know everything and I can even be able to outdo God. Is there a, a, the fact that we could build the Tower of Babel, the, that we could send people to the moon, that we have money uh, in, in, as Mr. Must has to decide that they can conquer this and conquer that because of their scientific knowledge. Um, where does the arrogance come in? And, and I think it's related to knowledge is power. I think we should be on the side of saying what I know is but a drop in the bucket. Mm. Now, Paul was writing to a congregation where there was division. Now, I think... The, the persons who cause division, take sides, there's a level of arrogance in, in that because I don't agree with you, Lindsay. So if I raise my voice without strengthening my argument, mm. then it means I may give the impression I am better placed than you are. Mm. But what the world is able to learn and gather up as knowledge in order to give us wisdom, for example, we learn to drive a car by learning to first understand the rules of the road. Mm. Gathering that information gives us wisdom to understand how we apply ourselves when mm. we're driving a car. But there's also those who think that they can do better because they believe that their steering skills, their foot pedaling skills are far more superior than other drivers. So we have inverted commas, fools on the road because yes. they're arrogant yes. enough to believe they have the control. Yes. So is there the possibility that within our human psyche, arrogance is present? All it just needs is for you to believe that what you know makes you more powerful than someone else. Mm -hmm. And then you're assumed to be in a better place than the rest of us. 
So in the division story, Paul had to address this. And of course, when church people di- divide, it's around the philosophy of the religion. It's about mm. the theolo- theological mm. interpretations of scripture. And, and so Paul brings into here and says, so tell me, how do we interpret the death of Christ on the cross? What was that, the meaning of all of that? What's, is there a mystery? Is there a message in the death of Christ on the cross? If, if, if the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross and the cross itself is a defining moment in all of history, then shouldn't the world stop and say, what is this all about? Because if it changes the meaning of all of life, then we need to gather the wisdom of why God allowed this to enable the world to function mm. in a better way. But if we dismiss the, the, the cross as the significant point in the turn of history, then what becomes our reference points? What becomes our, 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 our defining moments of history that helps us to see how the world came to a particular place and then had to change cause in order to, what is the thing that they do in order to become more industrialized, in order to become more wealthy, in order to become more powerful? Um, what do they call all of this kind of thing? Development, don't they? Uh, they give it pretty words. They give it pretty words. But at the end of the day, it could be people who are very few in number with lots of wealth, not knowing to knowing what to do with their money and empowering those who, you know, scientists are not necessarily rich people. Yeah. But they can become pawns in the, in the hands of those who are in the power positions with money. So they use knowledge to gain more power, but knowledge based not on, you know, what, what did Mr. Trump come, the first time I even heard of that, as soon as he became the president, he had with him disclaimer, disclaimer uh, forms. So yeah. it's, a lot, not a, it's a disclaimer form. So, so, so you were not allowed to share anything. Non-disclosure. Non-disclosure, sorry, non-disclosure. Yeah. So whatever knowledge you gained there belongs to Trump, not to anybody else, even yeah. though the expression of it wasn't actually good. So, so, so does what God do, for example, going back to the psalm we said earlier, uh, how the sky, how did it say? Um, how clearly the sky reveals God's glory. Mm. Now, those who study the sky, astronomers. Yeah. Um, astrological, astrological, astrological people. How do you pronounce that name? Uh, astro, astrophysicists. Astronomy. Yeah, astronomy. They would read signs in there, but does it say those signs are about the glory of God? Uh, no. <laughs> Yesterday I heard this, and I want to place this into your lap now, in terms of my responses. Is going on a bit too long. Somebody was doing a speech at the at the at the uh, wedding, mm. and she says, "As the universe would have it." And I keep wondering, what do they mean by that? How clearly the skies tell us about the glory of God. And if it's so, if that is true, if that is what the skies teach us and we're gaining wisdom of that, what are we doing about the glory of God? Because the message according to that writer is clear. So do we need astronomers to tell us, but if you look at this shape of the moon, if you look at that kind of what's thing, then this is what's supposed to tell you. So, so to the crucifixion and the cross. Mm. In terms of the way the world thinks, is it a nonsense? Is it foolishness? Or if it is the defining moment in all of history that God brought about the destiny that he wants his people to follow, shouldn't we be paying attention to that and saying, what do we learn and draw from this in order to apply that wisdom and knowledge to our lives? 
So that's my response to what you have asked. I, I don't know whether it meets what you've asked, but <laughs> certainly why I... I um, I have a couple of responses to that. The first is the arrogance of human nature, where like, I see knowledge as the gateway to wisdom. So it's like you acquire knowledge and then you have that, what's it, the, the fool's paradox or something, where it's like the less you know about a subject, the more you think you know. <laughs> So the more you know, you learn that the, it's actually the, the, that you don't know so much. Yes, yes. But if you know a little bit about like one thing, you trumpet it to everyone as if you are the the owner of that information. So I had, uh, I'll, I'll give you an analogy. I had a little incident on social media where I was called out as a troll um, by people who are friendly to me, acquaintances of mine. I'll actually call one of them a friend um, because there was another tech journalist, she tweeted about um, not wanting to see any spoilers for um, the show that finished on Thursday. So the show is WandaVision. It's a Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is only available on Disney+. Plus. So Disney+, Plus is the streaming service is not available in South Africa. So my question to her was, like, you understand you live in a country where this content is not available live. So what is the time limit for the spoiler? Like how long must we give you for you to watch it, knowing that it's not being broadcast in your country? So like, A, are we going to just all feign ignorance and say that you have obtained the episode via legal means which you clearly have not um and b how long is a piece of string you know because for me it's always like i was genuinely asking what the etiquette is because i am not and i was trying to call out her sense of entitlement um that i read in that thing where it's like you on the internet like if you don't want spoilers get off the internet or Make a plan to watch the thing as soon as you can, you know, so that you are spoiler-proof. It's the same thing that happened when Game of Thrones was on. I used to wake up early in the morning to watch it live so that I, because I was invested enough in that. So, like, they explained to me that for TV shows, it's 24 hours, and for cinematic releases, it's a week. And so now I have that knowledge, but the wisdom I'm trying to gain is or at least express, is that you need to understand your limitations. You know, it's like, it's an open market. What yeah. if you, you don't want to see something? So that that's like the where the arrogance comes into play um, and the misunderstanding of what is actually seeking wisdom. So it's like you start with knowledge, but then you seek wisdom. So I think you, you misinterpreted astronomer. You actually meant in astrologer, because astrology is where they see the star signs and all that stuff. Astronomers are out there looking at actual um, planets and stars and finding like the physics behind it and all of those things. Um, I so, meant both. So. Yes. <laughs> the universe that is always cited, and I am also victim, I fall victim to it myself, um, is it's, a, it's just a replacement word for God. But now I need to ask you, what is more <laughs> important... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's this concept that is so far beyond human understanding. Um, like it goes to where did we come from? You know, what put everything here in its place? And if you don't want to say God, you you live in a secular world as we all do, a secular dominated world. Um, you refer to these meaningless words like universe and things like that because you don't want to be seen to be picking any sides um but my question to you is which event is more important for a person the moment you are born or the moment you believe the moment you're born or the moment you believe i think when my level of consciousness develops within me and I'm becoming aware of my world, 
and the language of my world, which I learned from my my uh, immediate environment, that mm-hmm. is my familial home, who introduces me to the language of the world, then I'm able to reflect back to look at the significance of 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 conception, um, the significance of the birth processes, where it's not just a, a broad thing where there are intricate things involved along the journey and I wonder at all of this because I wonder because it's mystery no matter how much science has 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 developed understanding for it Um, but when I'm born I'm born at this level where I suddenly because I can't see any colors and all the stuff that I'm seeing Mm. just reflects Mm. the same thing to me what level of my does my level of consciousness start there where I'm responding to the world just simply by sight? Mm. And I'm mm. laughing because I see the tingling of it. Is that perhaps a place of where I'm beginning to learn the world without mm. the language of the world? And so um, is this a chicken and egg uh, scenario? Yeah. <laughs> that you're creating? It is. Yeah. You know? it is. Because, because I, I, I know that there's some, there's some people that have indicated that their awareness of their early childhood goes back to maybe at age four or whatever. Mm. I, I, I take that and I place it into my world. And I have a memory of my early childhood that starts at five, but not earlier than that. Mm. So, so, but then I do marvel. I wouldn't have come to five if I wasn't at four and three and two and one. Yeah. And in boom. Yeah. But that itself is still mystery to me. Uh, I can learn from science that tells me this is what happens in the womb. This is how the cells are impregnated. This is how it develops. Uh, I remember being with a church warden. um, When I came to that parish, uh, she was was married for a long time already, 18 years, I think it was, and she'd lost all her pregnancies. Mm. So over the time that she became a, a church warden and, uh, we, uh, you know, my family and her family developed a good relationship and then she fell pregnant. And her first priority was to ask me to act as the surrogate father because she believed that I think somehow being with the priest, my child would be born. And I wow. had to take her to hospital. I had to take her to a hospital, which I did. Often had fights at the hospital because they wouldn't allow me in to can carry a yeah. bag. Yeah. Um, and I wondered at this because both her husband and my wife understood what she was asking me for. Mm. And I had joined her in all of that, supported her prayerfully and so on. And then I was away for the weekend and came back. And she had asked for me, and she was in hospital. The next day she died, and the baby died with her. But what did I learn about this process? I never understood about the placenta. Mm. And if the pregnancy is going wrong, how the placenta can actually work against the child. Mm. And that's how her pregnancies were terminated. The last one took her own life. So it made me marvel both at the the wonder of God, at the wonder of this process that God created, and its intricate, complicated nature, Mm. that even those who are surgeons, who have studied what possibly could help to to prevent death or whatever the placenta Mm. was doing, in that case could not do so. So there's a way in which Study doesn't give you all the answers. Hmm. The mystery still is out there. And yeah. we continue to journey yeah. towards knowing um, from the point of knowing a little or knowing nothing towards the point of knowing. Hmm. If all knowledge is, is in God, we will not know everything. But we will know as we go towards God, as we journey towards God. And um, and I mean, even by saying that, I'm caught up in um, a sense of foolishness because mm. I'm talking 
from a p- the parameter of faith and theological reflection. Mm. Also, not just on theological reflection regarding what is in Scripture, but what may be in other disciplines that we have to take into account. I mean, how clearly the sky shows the glory of God led me to talk about astronomers and astrologists. Mm. That Then you begin to say, so what is astronomy about and what is astrology about? And and if I, I am very skeptical about the, 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 the what is that, science, the, the science yeah. of the, the yeah. although I, I, I'm sort of embrace the fact that I'm a Capricorn according to the what's his name, but do I believe in the message they give me every day for Capricorns and so on? Does that reveal the glory of God to me? And therefore, can I gain knowledge and wisdom that comes from God? Because the study is revealing something that applies to my humanity and our common humanity. Mm. But now, if the sky gives the glory of God, does the death of Christ on the cross also reveal the glory of God? And if so, should we not therefore be looking at the death of Jesus in all kinds of ways Mm. in order to bring us to a deeper faith relationship with God, in order for us to become what the Exodus passage is saying, you shall be my people and I will be your God and I will make you a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then the Ten Commandments become the structure, the tool of formation. Because wisdom is not lodged in our cerebral area only. Mm. Wisdom doesn't settle in the heart. Then is it really wisdom? Mm. I always see wisdom as like when you finally, it's that moment of enlightenment. Where you finally stitch together all the threads to reveal like the full picture. And now that you can see the full picture, you can never unsee it. <laughs> and yeah. all you want to do is help other people see the same picture. Um, but the, the picture is different for, for, for other people because the, <clears throat> the question about the birth and the belief was actually a little bit loaded. I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> I concealed my weapon. <laughs> Hopefully, my gonna... response counted that. <laughs> <laughs> I I was gonna counter with, um, or at least I was gonna follow up with, um, which moment in your children's life was more important: seeing them being born or seeing them confirming their belief, um, which is the act of confirmation. Um, where, but I think we've we've moved on beyond that now. Um, but just let me quickly respond and just yeah. say the, 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 the significance is the growth potential. Mm. And, and as we grow, so we learn, so we gather, so we become. Mm. That's my response. Yeah, that, that is a, that's a, very, a very measured response as well, because like my, my response to that would have been, I, while we, while I may not have any memory before the age of four or five years old, um, I actually don't know how old I was with my earliest memory. <laughs> um, and, but seeing my children in that phase, like Adam's just come out of that now. Um, he's five years old. He's grade R now. He's doing his things. And I was reflecting, I was looking at him the other day um, when he was having a conversation with his teacher online. And I was like, I can remember when you first started saying your name and you called yourself Abam <laughs> with a B yes. and not B. And yeah, for me as a parent, having those memories is far more significant than holding those memories of my own life. Um, there um but then so so paul goes on and he says jews want miracles for proof and greeks look for wisdom as for us we proclaim the crucified christ a message that is offensive to the jews and nonsense 
to the Gentiles. But for those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles, this message is Christ, who is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Paul kind of hides behind this idea of that we shouldn't challenge what we believe to be the truth. Where it's like, if you analyze the crucifixion from enough angles and you personalize the message for yourself, because again, the the glory of God in, in the crucifixion story is not in the death, but it is in the resurrection. So that's why I'm always looking for a salvation moment, Father. And Paul doesn't give the Jews and the Gentiles and the scholars a salvation moment in this. He's just casting them aside as the other and saying that only the believers who have been called and who believe are, will have salvation. And like that, you know, that's the problem that I have. Well, I thought about you when I was reflecting on that. Um, that year was a, a, a strict uh, divide. Um, now, Paul himself was not stupid man. He was learned in the Torah. Mm. And in the Torah, they would have grappled with scientific understandings and, and uh, socioeconomic uh, situations because the the structure of social life, political life, was all um, struck, it's found in the Torah for the Jewish people uh, particularly. Mm. We do know also that Ten Commandments basically forms the kind of um, the, the the last part of it, the the the, the four that re, the six that relates to the relationship between man and humanity themselves. Uh, very much forms the the, the 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 basis of the of law throughout the world, mm. and, and its mm. ongoing study. So what he does talk about here is whilst the event of Christ crucified happened, now we're engaging the message of that event. Mm. How does the message interpret what Jesus on the cross means? And according to him, it says, for those being saved, it is God's power. Mm. Now, does he mean there are some who are not being saved because they then have seen the cross as nonsense? If you reject something, what are the consequences for you and what is the benefit of that rejection? If you see in there a message that you can apply to your life and hope that that message brings, does it therefore become a way in which you are walking the path of salvation and experiencing God's power? Because the event of the cross, the event of the crucified Christ is God's expression of power in the very most, in the most powerless action, in the way, in, in the best way that the Roman authority could punish somebody who had caused, uh, was, 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 was um, pointed out as being the one that's causing insurrection mm. uh, and, and possibly would take over the government and destroy the Roman government. This was the power of God. So how in a powerlessness uh, can there be mm. victory and power mm. revealed? So when we think of the message that is coming from there, now, what is the message that the world, why would some write off the death of Christ on the cross as nonsense? When they engage the message, because the message is, you know, do you know, Lindsay, that this person, Jesus, went to the cross to die for our sins? Mm. And mm. you would say, hold it. Why does the death of one man suddenly become my salvation? And so you may say, well, let's investigate from this perspective and that perspective and that perspective to see what this is. Why, for those who are becoming saved, did they receive this message? Did they mm. embrace this message? Then you go on to the wise and the scholars and the skillful debaters of the world. They are also propagating messages. They would also be looking at all the events that seem to present itself as his historical um, reformation process, uh, actions, activities, and they would interpret this. 
and for them it would come out to be something different. Uh, what is it? So instead, um, they are. It's impossible for people to know him by means of their own wisdom. So, so he's associating the wisdom of the wise and the scholars and skilled debaters as wisdom gathered that they own as their own wisdom. I know mm. this. But the message of the cross and the event of the cross cannot be understood by mm. human wisdom. And is there a thing where we can become wise in the things we discover and study about, but we also know that we cannot know everything about anything. Mm. We can know a little of it. So even the wisdom that we have gathered of our own, do we always go to the teacher because the teacher mm. should know more. Now, if the teacher should know no more and the teacher continues to study because he's got to write papers doing mm. research, means he's never fully studied everything nor yeah. discovered everything yeah. about the subject. So who then... And where then does real the wisdom, the totality of wisdom and knowledge come from? Mm. And so Paul, for Paul, it is not us holding on to our human ways of being wise. We need to depend on, well, going back to the Old Testament. What is creation telling us, revealing to us about the glory of God? It's the event of creation and the event of the crucifixion is God's work. Mm. And it's God's mission and purpose involved. So this very Christ that Paul is talking about is the Christ that goes into the temple. Yes. And he rages there. Because what was the original understanding, which is related to knowledge, teaching, which is related to knowledge, and therefore wisdom of the purpose of the temple. Mm. And now they have changed it for different purposes. They have robbed the temple of its true essence, meaning, purpose. That, that it was established for. Is that what the wisdom of the world does? Even, and I was reading and teaching this on, on Wednesday, when um, where Henry Nouwen talks about the worst use of power is religious power. Mm. To think that we preachers can say to people, you're going to hell based on what we think we know mm. and based on what we assume the actions of people are. Now, the money changes, I mean, where were the, the, the authorities, the, the, the people who were to defend the temple's real purpose? Why weren't they able to stand up and say, no, this will not happen? This is not why the temple was there. Why would Jesus have quoted an Old Testament saying, which they all knew? My, my, my temple is a house of prayer. You've changed it into a place of economy. Was economy the real purpose of this temple? Is that what you've done to God? You've moved him out and replaced God with economic power. You use what God gives you. The animals aren't made by you, but you use them to gather, um, to, to make yourself rich. Mm. I think the, the owners and the scholars and the priests of the temples were on the take as well. That's why they allowed it to, to happen. Absolutely. But it's, Absolutely. It's, it's good that you've jumped into into the gospel which is according to john and it's from second chapter verses 13 to 22 i'm going to read three verses um verse 16 he told those who were selling the doves 
take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered <clears throat> that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered him, answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So two things there. Um, again, there's the reflection of the, the Old Testament where zeal for your house will consume me is a, from one of David's Psalms, I imagine. And David yeah. also fought corruption in the church. And while he was consumed by his zealousness for um, God, and he was, there were a lot of people who didn't like the fact that he, he put God first and everything else second. Well, then that kind of changed when he, he wanted another woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the fall of David. Um, so it's, it's, I, I struggle to understand why the author here, John, would include this callback. Um, because it doesn't really add, making the David connection doesn't really add anything. But like as you described, when Paul uses those sorts of callbacks because of the audience he's writing to, it does show his knowledge of the Torah and then up his kind of profile in the eyes of the people he's writing to in, in Corinth. Um, where, why the, this connection in the gospel? So does zealousness for God um, show the ultimate dedication and commitment in a world where which even in the religious sector has removed God from the equation. So Jesus, was he demonstrating, and that was why the recall of um, Psalm 69, verse 9, mm. that Jesus' commitment is such a nature, he's so dedicated commitment, that it will cost him his death, will consume me. My commitment is not fundamentalistic, but there's a, there's a zealousness about standing up for God in a world which tries to create other gods. Mm. Um, coming back to the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods but me. Mm. And so Jesus is saying, who is going to be the voice and presence to speak for God? in a world that keeps wanting to ostracize God from his own world. But when I do that, it may lead to my death. Mm. Am I willing to take that chance? And we understand that, um, that he was willing to do that. Right here from the beginning chapters of John's gospel, he, in the way that he told the story of Jesus, Jesus already had on his mind how committed he needed to be mm. uh, for God, because the temple represented the presence of God, um, and 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 it helped people to celebrate the presence of God. It helped people to recall the presence of God. But when you make and so it is very e interesting when you look at the churches these days, where significant uh, signs are taken away that that does not represent. When you look at a Hillsong uh, auditorium for, mm -hmm. for what's its name, it gives you a certain effect of how it celebrates the presence of God. Ultimately, it's about an, a group of people learning, and the focus is on this man who jumps around the Bible as at will, but the, 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 the cornerstone of there is not so much we preach Jesus of the cross. We are preaching about 
taking God and saying, give me what I want in this life. Mm-hmm. Look at Colise. He's a famous rugby player and captain of the earth. Look how famous he's become because he follows what we teach him. Mm-hmm. But where is the message of the cross? <laughs> and so you go into other churches and you see where their focuses are. Is the message of the cross concealed? I remember the years that I was at seminary. We had an American um, uh, person, a priest of the Episcopal Church, come to St. Bede's College to do a kind of an an interaction teaching with us. And he worked in in Israel. Mm. And I'd asked him a question about the, (coughs) excuse me, the religiosity of the American society. And his response to me was that the American society has covered up the cross with all kinds of other things that the cross is nowhere to be seen. And you can see this coming through. And I remember there was a debate some years ago uh, with the prosperity gospel preaching uh, about, you know, if you believe, you ought to be wealthy. If you believe, you ought to be prosperous. And um, somebody wrote in one of our newspapers, the Anglican Church in Southern Africa, the Sikh, he asked this question. Are we no longer children of the cross? People of the crucifixion? Because the, the cross helps us to identify with the least of my brethren and sisters, Jesus says. It is that that event that challenges all forms of unrighteous behavior, particularly against the weak and the poor and the voiceless. But that doesn't mean, because you see, when you have, when you've acquired knowledge and knowledge is power, you have set up your own power base. So I think recalling David is saying, here am I'm, I'm standing up, not for money. I'm standing up for God and it may mm. cause my death. Am mm. I willing to go that way? Yes, I am willing. Now, was there a sign in that that the Jews did not want to see? Was there wisdom in that, in the person of Jesus, that the Greeks would not want to embrace? So here's an interesting thing. Um, uh, I'm I'm just going to put a pin in my original point, um, which was calling back to the language um, that you also referenced earlier. We will get to Kebecha. Uh, I can never get that click right. Um, <laughs> we, we will get to that. I just want to leave that in a box and you can think about that for a while. Um, what I enjoy about the Anglican Church, um, and I've had kind of frank conversations like I'm having with you now, um, with, I mean, I went to a Roman Catholic primary school, so I had access to clergy there. Um, I've, with Bishop Margaret, when she was, director of our parish. I've had discussions with her, open discussions, and it's always the Anglicans who are, Anglican clergy who are more open to the idea of challenging their beliefs and maybe evolving the thinking. And I think it's because in the Anglican church, the head of the Anglican church is not the closest person to God, but the monarchy of England occupies that role. So within the Roman Catholic faith, the Pope is the closest thing to God. So it's like where that power emanates from, where, who has the authority in that message from God. So then, because like the U.S. cost of English rule and stuff, so they would have gone with more kind of 
other kinds of thinking behind the way they worship. So there's a lot placed on the pastor and the pastor being the prophet, <laughs> the mm-hmm. conduit for, 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 God's, for God's thing. So now I'm going to bring it back to this whole debate around I think I nailed it that time. I'm very sorry. Um, where it's like, that is the original name of the place. It's the place of reeds. It's just not expressed in a language, or at least the grammar isn't used of the Koi language because it's going to be very difficult to get in terabangs and that sort of thing into like world maps and stuff. Right, so they made a compromise where they tried to express that in Isitosa. So now it's like, but it means nothing in Isitosa, but it means so much to people like me who identify with that kind of origin, where it's the first people of this country, like the Bantu tribes, moved down from Africa, like northern northern Africa, well, sub-Saharan, but they moved down into South Africa. They weren't permanent residents here. They weren't. Like they didn't evolve here. So it's like, why are we now rejecting this new name? Because, like, besides for the fact that it's a waste of money and all that stuff, like, what did Port Elizabeth mean? Like, there's less meaning in that. And now you're also giving an opportunity for the majority of the country to be reflected in the naming of a region. Because like, we can't rename South Africa because it's a geographical name. We can't rename Cape Town because it's a geographical name, (laughs) you know? But there are other things that we can change to to put our own stamp on what this country is, to remake it in, in, in something that reflects us and not our colonial history. You know, so so do you see how divisive the wisdom of the world is? Yeah, um, we 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 now saying in our new setting for more than three hundred years, you came and tried to make us like you, mm. but because we were not like you, you made us slaves. Mm of yourself and of your system. And we had to embrace everything you brought us. We go to the office to give our babies names from mm. our cultural background. And because you couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't pronounce it, you decided yeah. that our baby yeah. should have a different name. And you've legislated that. So now it's a revisitation and a recapturing of what was dismissed for so many years. Mm. I'm not so sure whether the passage of time would have done anything to uh, recapturing words of the past that would give us new meaning of ourselves in in, in, in the world and a new expression of what it means to be a South African. Mm. I hope mm. that in many ways it does. I can tell you, for example, reading Alan, Alan Busak's hope, a, a book on hope, where he actually talks about um, the understanding of God um, by the Khoi people. And the, the, the wonder of that, he, he says, the understanding of God was God was, was, the, was a wounded soldier mm. because he fought the battles for them. And he could not have been necessarily one not penetrated by the, by the, the weapons and the armory of, of those they were fighting against. So he would have been the God of the wounded knee, sharing our wounds, mm. sharing pain but nonetheless he's the god that uh, defends us from from the poor you know how that deeply resonated with me because the first time i ever read that mm. that the people mm. from which i came had that understanding of god and why was it dismissed mm. that my mm. theology my religious education uh, brought about it only colonial understanding mm. of who god may be so and so, I mean, I think there's this old new concept called the 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 cult the the the, the, the um, um, cancel uh, cancel culture. Yes. Where we where we are saying 
that in order to redefine who we are. Because the wisdom of the queen and the king at that time to colonialize was to throw out all other knowledge mm. and shape the world that they knew based on their knowledge. And incidentally, they used the Bible. But now we got to read the Bible and we said, but there are many things that you taught us that doesn't even resonate with Scripture. Yeah. But when we look to our background, we can see how much it resonates. The Bible that I use also speaks about, because all of the, 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 the people who wrote in the Scripture to give commentary on the verses was, was from Africa. Mm. So they asked the questions, what's the relevance of scripture to Africa. And they look at various scenarios of African belief in association mm -hmm. with the book and the text that they are talking about. So I, I simply think that a new generation, a new leadership must give bends to the recall of the old. Where do we really come from? And our history does not start with John van Riebe coming here, mm -hmm. but we need mm -hmm. to believe that for over 340 years. We were in denial about Maria de Lequeleri. But now also, we may have theological discrepancies with the colonialists. Mm. Where we perhaps have to say to them, like, like, like yeah, how do, how do you guys who say you know all things about the temple but allow it not become an emporium? Mm. When originally, the temple was a house of prayer. And it, that's the a, house yeah. doesn't come to you. It's my father's house. So Jesus reclaims the temple to its original self. But then he says he's going to destroy it. <laughs> like I know no. he was talking about himself. He said, but... you may destroy it, but I will rise in three days. That means at the end of the day, whatever you're going to do, you're the, any form of your destructive power it's going to be cancelled out because my resurrection will bring in the new. Mm. Will bring but in that, the real. But that's the, the, the thing. Like we we, we this, this has pretty much been a discussion about the dynamics of power where like the knowledge of where that name came from empowers me to seek wisdom in what trying to understand what the rejection is rooted in. And then, like with Anglicans, because there's a monarchy, there's a monarch at the head, you start reading the story of Jesus as the story of a political activist, effectively, and someone who speaks truth to power. And then you like start checking at this person wearing this crown, and you like, Yo, you actually just another person, <laughs> and I don't think you fully understand what I know about what you are trying to do <laughs> by mm. keeping knowledge away from like people. Whereas, like my, in the Roman Catholic thing, it's like the Pope's <laughs> word is God's word, and like the similar thing with 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 Islam, where it's like Muhammad's word is the word of God, so you can't really rail mm. against that. Yeah, I, I think my response to, to, to what you are saying is this. If you go back to, I'm grateful the Queen has never written any theology, neither the <laughs> King. Because there's a time when I realized the coming to know God in the way the colonials and apartheid talked about it. What happened there was they had um, given us a perception that don't concern yourself with your earthly life. Just look to God and you'll get into heaven and that will be all perfection for you. Mm. So let us beat you up and, and, and control you here. Don't worry about all of this. Just accept it as God's plan. And I mean, uh, coming with, with missionaries indicated that this was what God wanted the people to think. Yeah. Yet, yeah. when we go to the collect, it says recreating us a dwelling for your holiness. Now, I wonder how do I read that? Because my first understanding of God in the way that I was taught has changed. I do read, I don't read my theology now in an Anglican concept. 
in the Anglican Church as being a, 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 a monarchical mm. uh, uh, theology. It may have a monarchical uh, structure, but my starting point is Jesus Christ. Mm. My reference point is him who is Lord. And when I read him, I find out how radical he was, that mm. the Jesus mm. of the colonial is not the Jesus yeah. that I understand. Yeah. I'm more where, my, where Mahatma Gandhi is than I'm Ooh. with where any of <laughs> No, I'm serious. I have serious <laughs> issues with Mahatma Gandhi. But just that one moment when he was put out of the temple. Yes. He was put out of the church. So when I say create me in the dwelling of your holiness, it is not the holiness that was projected simply by the colonialists. Some of it may have been good, but not all of it. It's not about the holiness of the colonialists. It's about God's holiness. And my reference would be, if I understand like my ancestors understood the God with a wounded knee, where in that concept of God do I get the understanding of holiness? Mm-hmm. And that's what I would direct. Because we are saying recreate. You're talking about recreating the understanding in our country of who we are by going back to claiming our history mm-hmm. through naming places. That's a way of recreation. And will the renaming therefore, because Port Elizabeth is associated with so many things that are mm. perhaps not very helpful to the to, to our to our new South Africa. Yeah. But the new name may bring that in. The new name be more would create a more sense of reconciliation mm. if we allow it to be. Yes, we're going to struggle with all the clicks in it. But the more we struggle, the more we will learn it. That's yeah. the benefit. You know, so 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 for me, therefore, um, the 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 openness of the Anglican Church is to say my theology is not stagnant. Mm. When I think of a text, I may think of it not differently as I did yesterday, but probably in a more progressive way as I've opened myself to what God is revealing to me at that moment, and with all the things that are on my mind and in my world at that time. What meaning does God help me to, to gain from it? So um, uh, I, I think that I, 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 I really, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being humble when I say this. When I look at all that I read and listen to about other, other, other denominations in faith, I am so glad I am in the Anglican context. Mm. I'm so glad I'm in the Anglican context because it brings us down to the nuts and bolts. Mm. of what the faith is all about and it's captured for me succinctly in the Eucharist a mm. piece of bread that becomes a body of nourishment and a drink of wine that becomes a cup of new life and of covenant with the living God mm. if that yeah. isn't radical then I yeah. don't know what is radical that's the message of the cross which is nonsense to the world because at some point in history that was seen as cannibalism. Mm. (laughs) Yet for me I draw the message of Christ's death and the cross. And so yes, maybe my faith is about foolishness to the world because it's the wisdom of God. And am I prepared to be faithful to foolishness? Mm. I just want to say, quite plainly, that we are not dismissive of other faiths or denominations. No, absolutely not. It's just I, I in, thank God that we're not. Under academic scrutiny, sometimes we it can lead you down a path of enlightenment that might not sit well with many people. All are welcome to listen to this continued no, exploration of faith. Um, and Father, if you could extract a few brief um points of reflection in the prayers of the church. And so our first prayer would be about thanksgiving, liberating God. We thank you for your work of liberation from the houses of slavery throughout the world. And we thank you for your words of commandment and your intention to shape, form, and keep informed the people of slavery into your covenant community of a holy nation and kingdom of priests. So we pray for your church, you, God of our salvation, that 
with zeal and indignation come to your church and drive from it false, false piety and misguided priorities. We ask you to also come to places of power in your audacity, that you will open the hearts of all in leadership to change, to challenge the challenge of your kingdom and revive in us your justice. This week we also praying, O God, our salvation, that can you keep us mindful of the conditions of production and social effects of what we consume, balance our trading with your fairness and equity. We pray, O God, our salvation, come to our lives with compassion and searching judgment. And in our frailty, give us time to reflect on what is amiss and in repentance to seek your restoring grace. Creating us a fitting dwelling place for, for your glory. And come to us with the promise of your resurrection, bringing comfort and hope to all who mourn and to all who have died, bringing us to new life with Christ. We continue to pray um, as we remember the message about the cross as foolishness, um, that you will keep us from insolent and by by fearing you, we may ensure the healing and wholeness, fairness, fair distribution of the vaccine, addressing COVID for the common good of all. And then as we continue to promote awareness, act activism and advocacy against gender-based violence, a God whose law is perfectly binding the soul and ordinances are righteous, remove from us the great transgression of violence. And so in conclusion, Go now, my brothers and sisters, with God's foolishness and weakness as your only wisdom and strength. Proclaim Christ crucified and seek riches only in the love of God's word and in zeal for your house. And the blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always.